You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Mullins Blitz coming and oh, down he goes. Untouched. Blake Martinez right up the middle on the Blitz and he gets the sack. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the football Grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Grump, we're playing Washington this week, so that means we are playing a division rival. That means I don't wear Eli, I don't wear I Killyard. I break out Phil Sims because I wear the important jersey for important games. So this is a very understated very important game of the year. Absolutely, yeah. And and Cranky Fan has a lot of really, really important jersey rules and when to wear and when not to wear. They're all very convoluted. You'll never follow them. But the one that I hold on to is that division games get your legendary jerseys out. So this is the one rule. I do, I do um, Lawrence Taylor for division games. Division games, playoff games, Super Bowls gets Phil Simms. And... Uh, you know, we'll have a special three-hour episode on my uniform etiquette at some later date. But for right now, we are going to stick to the task at hand. Yeah, We have a very important football game t- tonight as you are watching this. That's right. Before we get into it, though, like, subscribe, do all that good stuff. YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, um, you know where to find us. The Giants are playing tonight, Thursday, 820 at FedEx Field. They got hosed. I think no team should fucking play Thursday week two, honestly. Um, but whatever. It's ridiculous. I mean, it, the the scheduling gods could not have screwed us anymore for this. I mean, it's uh, especially the way the NFL is now where these teams are using preseason as talent evaluations as opposed to really prepping for the season. Yeah, it's really interesting because, you know, you mentioned that and you can kind of make an argument that the, the preseason, maybe if you're playing Thursday week two, um, maybe it's a, it's a, it is a good idea to play a lot more of your starters early on in the preseason, you know, in those situations so that you've got the, the rust knocked off. So, you know, your week one game isn't so much that, that time in between week one and week two, you're not spending so much of it on correcting technique and you can worry about your game film and your next opponent, you know, you might've done a disservice to yourself resting so much in the, in the summer, but who's to say really, it, it's kind of strange. I mean, it's just, again, we are playing a division team on the road week two with really one real day of practice, I guess. If you, they figured there's a rest day on Monday, probably did a full practice Tuesday, you know, Wednesday. Wednesday's a walkthrough day all of a sudden. And then you have to get down to Washington. I, I don't know if they took the bus down there or they took the train or how they, how they got down there, but it's so condensed and the time that you spend that, that week one to week two, that's where you go over the film the most, you make the most, uh, you know, technique corrections, schematic co- corrections, you know, just tightening up things before you even look at film for week two. And, uh, it really sucks that, uh, you know, this game is of course the result of week one being so bad that this becomes critical. And, you know, we're going to talk about, you know, the importance of this game, but, this is all, you know, as we're going to finish up our uh, overreaction Monday uh, marathon of, of kind of you know, stomping down all these people's, you know, fears and everything getting off the ledge. This is a very, very important game for the 2021 season. You know, we lose this game. We are 0-2. You know, 
we know the history of teams that are 0 and 2. Their their percentage of making the playoffs. Although this year is different, since now we have, you can't do that. No, you can't. You can't do. No, I saw it. It just it completely threw me off. <laughs> I'm not here. Oh, okay. She's taking pictures of me while I'm doing this. <laughs> All right, let me let me go back to him. Good. All right. No, I mean, this is very important for 2021. You know, if you go down 0 and 2, you know, in the division, the, the the percentages of making the playoffs are very thin. Although this is a year we now have a 17 game schedule, so you know you have a little more leeway, I guess, if you lose those first two two games. But obviously, you don't want to you know play catch up the entire season. And quite frankly, this team, even if they clean up a lot of the mistakes that were made in week one, is not good enough to rely on, well, they're going to win at some point five out of six or six out of eight or something. It's, it's probably not going to happen. So they, they need to you know, win games like this. But however, this is not, and I'm going to say this in capital letters, not a referendum on the future of this franchise as everybody is so quick to jump off the ledge. Jason Garrett is not getting fired if they lose week two, they are not all of a sudden going to cut Daniel Jones. They are not firing Joe judge. You know, they, you know, the mayors are not all of a sudden going to clean house after a week two, after three days of break after week one, you know, it's not happening guys. It, it's important for this year. It is not a referendum or that important for the, the future of this franchise. I, I can't stress it anymore and saying it that clear and simple. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the game itself is critical for the season, which is why it's such bullshit, because these Thursday games are always division games. And to, to, to do that and to, right at the beginning of the season kind of blows. But it, it has huge implications for how this season goes. But this game is not going to be – they're not going to look to a week two game on three days rest and, and as, as the defining moment where they decided Jason Garrett's got to go or DJ's not the guy. You know what I mean? Like, they're just not. I mean, even even if they stink up the place. But I'm also, you know, you said this team, even, even besides all that, isn't good enough to play catch-up anyway. I'm not banking on this team to win anything until I see something better than what I saw. Because I saw an <laughs> offense that was, like, at best methodical i guess they didn't capitalize on much of anything but at best methodical and a defense that was just putrid yeah i I think the defense was a schematic problem more than anything else i think the offense just didn't didn't want to make mistakes i mean Mm -hmm. i don't know i don't know how much that has to do with you know daniel jones at the fear of him making mistakes i highly doubt it if they are that much of afraid of daniel jones being a turnover machine in the red zone or throwing a bad pick at the wrong time He's not going to play. Yeah. So I don't. I don't think it's a question of that. I just think it's a defense. I think it's a game plan where, offensively, they were going to maybe falsely assume for this game the defense would ride them out and just, you know, play safe. You know, don't attack, play safe. But when the defense failed, that whole game plan was out the window. Yeah, I think you're, I think you're probably right. This game is going to be. It's totally different than how I had this drawn up. You know, going into the season, Ryan Fitzpatrick in the first game of the season takes a shot and uh, suffers a hip injury, he's going to be out six to eight weeks. He's on IR, so it's gone. It's Taylor Heineke's time. <laughs> Let me ask you something, Grump, before you even start talking about this game. 
having him out for so long, having him out for almost half the season, does that change your your thinking about Washington and the entire division now? Or is this something where you're not really getting that much from Fitzpatrick anyway, so the gap between him and Heineke, or even if they get someone off the scrap heap in the next couple of weeks, does it really change your predictions for, you know, how we're going to sort out in, in the division in the, in the division for the season. I mean, I'll get all in a little bit. I'll get through the differences between Taylor Heineke and, and Ryan Fitzpatrick and the implications it has for this game to answer your question about the season. It absolutely changes everything because who knows what happens in six to eight weeks here. I mean, it, Taylor Heineke, I mean, they, they had to sign Kyle Shermer just as a emergency quarterback. So, you know, Taylor Heineke is somebody that, didn't perform too badly last year for them in critical situations. I mean, in the playing the playoff game, you know. So, um, I, I mean, there's nothing to say that. I mean, that job will be handed back to Ryan Fitzpatrick when he's healthy. I mean, you just don't know that. And we also isn't Fitzpatrick like a million years old? Like, who's to say he heals quick enough? Um, I, I don't know. Yeah. It, it changes the whole trajectory because, I mean, a lot of the assumption is that Fitzpatrick would start off okay, he'd get into this hot streak that the media falls in love with, and then he'd do the, the typical the typical Shakespeare arch, you know, he's going to hit that downfall about the time that we expected him to be coming back now. So, I mean, it changes Fitz, everything. Yeah, Fitzmagic to Fitztragic. We, we I mean, know but that's the, the thing. The like, does, does the Fitzmagic then start in the middle of the season? If that's the case and they, they ride themselves to a 500 record while he's out, they're in pretty good shape if Fitzmagic hits hits when he comes back. You know what I mean? So I, I think everything that, changes. Yeah, I think the bottom line is with this division, again, back to our theme from last week, week one means nothing. You know, week one was an indicator of anything. Philly's going to get home field throughout the playoffs. Dallas has the greatest offense of all time. The Giants will struggle to score 30 points this whole season. And, you know, and you know, Washington is going to have a backup quarterback all year and be irrelevant. So, you know, it really proves that last week is really a glorified week four of the preseason now. And with the extra game, now we're, again, we're playing 17 games instead of 16. That almost means like it's more of a throwaway game what happened in week one because it's not – as critical as everything else is, uh, especially since last was last week as we played a non-conference game yeah, too. That, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it, we'll see. I I know I know that week two isn't a referendum on anything, but it would be a huge confidence boost for the players to put out a better performance than what we saw and, and obviously get a oh, win. There's a stink, and you know I always. I text all the time with my 124 crew out there, the guys we sit with every Sunday. And, you know, the thing they have said a lot is, you know, we have to get rid of this losing culture. The losing culture hasn't changed. And for the past for for the past decade, it's been a losing culture. You know, I think I brought up the point last week that we have gone longer than any other team since we've been over 500. That's a losing culture. You know, what is it? Six out of eight years we've started the season 0-2. That's a losing culture, yeah. uh, you know. Playing irrelevant games in after Thanksgiving, like that's a losing culture. We got lucky last year because the rest of the division blew, but you know the rest of the division is not always going to blow. And uh, you know you've got to start winning games in September to kind of reverse, you know, get the stink out of your locker room, the stink out of the building, the stick stink out of the Meadowlands, and uh, that starts now. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, 
while we're still on injuries real quick, though, uh, some minor ones here. Barkley was limited um, in the in the short amount of time. I, I would say he's probably – he is listed as questionable. I'd say he's probably 50-50 for tomorrow. I don't really know what the wear and tear was really like on him. Uh, he didn't really look all that great, to be honest, when he was out there. Um, which was to be expected, but also, is there any is there any need to rush him out there? Um, remember, remember, the way they categorize limited is that he wasn't able to take all of his snaps. It's different than the old probable, questionable, doubtful. It's he is listed as questionable, though. He's risky, but I don't think that's those are official designations anymore. No, I they think aren't. they have to yeah, be. But, but that limited when they say he's limited, you know, there's an official connotation to that, and that is a very wide range of what limited means. Like if you, if you don't do, let's say there's 20 drills and he does 18 drills, that's officially limited. Hmm. So what what a regular, what his normal rotation of drills are? If he has to do any less than that, that's considered limited. So, you know, there may be some gamesmanship involved with that. You know, and again, short turnaround. Yeah, I, you know that, that that day of rest all of a sudden becomes everything is condensed, and they are not going to rush. You know, we said this is a very important game for 2021. They are not going to risk a guy they banked, the, uh, you know, the futures of this franchise around just to get him to play in a week two game, yeah. no matter how important it is in the division and all that. More importantly, Evan Ingram is still going to be held out again. This is more short turnaround from from the time of injury, which was the the preseason week three game and Shane Lemieux also, I mean, he didn't play much of that first week. I didn't think he would. He still hasn't been IR or anything like that. Um, there is some conjecture right now as to what they're going to do about that. Ben Bradison got a lot of snaps in the week one matchup, but it looks like there's some rumors out there that Billy Price might take over center and Nick Gates might move over to guard. So there's a lot of interesting things that could happen. I haven't, seen anything concrete but there seems to be a very common theme among people close to the team like beat writers um that that is what's going to happen so uh that'll be very very interesting to see but i i don't know that that's going to happen so i can't bank on that. i mean there's there's no reason to think that it's outlandish that ben bradison will just play left guard and everything else will stay the same so very interesting i mean and again another pitfall of these short weeks is you don't have enough time for again going back to talent analysis and looking at these guys and how do they look in practice we you're, they're just not going to get the reps to make you know they're going to be flying blind a little bit this week and washington's uh you know the pressure washington brings is not the team you kind of want to fly blind with yeah yeah so let's get into some matchups to watch here um we'll start with the most obvious one here and, and this is this is the big change up here taylor heineke playing in at quarterback for ryan fitzpatrick so the matchup here really for me is always going to be patrick graham versus taylor heineke now you know we think that last week last week sunday was you know a schematic problem on defense you know that's what i think mixed with a little bit of rust i think you're right um there's a big jump down in talent from fitzpatrick to heineke in a certain sense Heineke has pretty limited arm strength to push the ball downfield. A lot of his deep passes have this absurd amount of air under them. <laughs> um, and it allows DBs that are nearby and not necessarily in coverage to get into position to make a play in the ball. You know, even if the wide receiver was open when, when you know, he threw it. It's just, there's just so much hang time. Fitzpatrick, on the other hand, gets the ball downfield on a, on a pretty tight rope. I mean, we're, we're not talking about Josh Allen here, but 
He's he can make deep throws pretty damn well. He's also been around the league a lot longer, so he's seen a lot of different defensive looks. He sees adjustments. He learns pretty quickly. He's obviously very, very bright in the film room, or else he wouldn't be in the league the, the, the length of time that he has. I mean, yeah, there's a I mean, reason went, Fitzpatrick is here. Yeah, I mean, he's probably older. He's probably been playing in the league longer than Tyler Henneke has been alive, so mm. that's how long he's been playing. And, you know, he went to Harvard, so he has some brains underneath that beard. So... <laughs> Yeah, you're losing a lot of that moxie. I mean, mm-hmm. he's a victim of – he knows what his place in the league is. It's a guy they plug and play when they need someone immediately to come in and, and you know, who can learn a playbook really quickly and they can and utilize. But, you know, a little limited in, in some of his skills. And Heine- Heineke's got even, you know, more limited skills in passing. But, but he can move around. Absolutely. He can, yeah. he can create would... problems. I would say he dis- – so disguised looks are, are likely going to bait him into some bad throws, bad decisions, um, or bad audibles, or just hesitation in general. But he's still a very slippery quarterback, and he works well on the move. So, I mean, there are ways to scheme for him, and they're prepared to put him out there. So this isn't this isn't like an emergency thing here. Um He's not the, to be taken. He's been with lately. the program for a little bit. He's been with the team. You know, it's not like they just picked him up in the off season. You know, he he knows the playbook. You know, he 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 knows what's going on. So this is not a an emergency situation. This is a guy that you know. Again, like you said, you know, even though uh, Philly tanked, they were in the playoffs, and he played against. And he didn't play that poorly, if I remember in that that game no, against Tampa didn't. Bay. Oh, no, he no. didn't. Um. I would expect that the full playbook is going to be open for Heineke, but I think the play calling is going to be a little bit more tailored to his strengths. I don't think that they're going to push the ball downfield very much. Um, but they will. It, it is going to be part of the offense. That full playbook is there. It's just I don't think they're going to call the same way they would if Fitzpatrick were in. Agreed. The other really big obvious matchup to watch is going to be the tackles versus Chase Young and Montez Sweat. Um Del Rio does a really good job of something that I don't think we see as much as we used to, uh, and that's moving his defensive ends from side to side. He'll just switch them up wherever. So in one scenario, I don't really worry about Thomas dealing with, in a one-on-one scenario, I don't really worry about Thomas dealing with Sweat or Young. I mean, he dominated Chase Young in their last matchup last year, and in their first matchup, he he was okay. He was pretty good. So um, at no point did Chase Young dominate him. Montez Sweat, you know, he, he... He's more that speed rush guy around the edge with good bend, but I still feel okay with Andrew Thomas. On the other hand, um, I'm pretty worried about whoever lines up, whether it be Nate Solder or Matt Parrott. I don't really know that that's been solidified yet. But in all honesty, I think I'd probably still be worried if if Casey Tuhill, their second stringer, was was starting opposite of Parrott or Solder. If this team wants to get their shit together in office, it starts with throwing the ball down the field. And no amount of changing the play calling or the quarterback is going to make a difference if they can put pressure in the quarterback's face in less than two seconds. And also, you know, the Giants putting themselves in better, you know, down in yardage on second and third down, too. I mean, the running game was pretty non-existent last week, so... The, the easiest way to kind of avoid getting into trouble in the passing game and dealing with the pressure is being in as many obvious passing downs. Mm-hmm. You know, if we're we're second and nine, we're third and nine a lot. It's gonna pin their ears back and go after Daniel Jones and, and you know and try to have him make a mental or a physical mistake. 
So, you know, this is, you know, if Barkley is quote unquote limited and questionable and all that, you know, if he's a non-factor again and we can't get the running game moving at all, that's going to just play into the strength of these, um, you know, the, 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 the front seven of, of Washington and, and the, and the passing, you know, the, you know, the rush and everything. So that's going to be just as important as, as blocking is putting ourselves in the best possible position. Yeah, I have to say, I'm going to be pretty disappointed if they make a decision on what the running game is going to be based on Saquon Barkley alone. I mean, they signed DeAndre Booker as a legitimate, you know, role-playing back here because they knew Barkley was coming off an injury. Mm -hmm. If Barkley still looks rusty, I think that doesn't mean shit for the running game. They should be rolling with Booker a little bit more than they did against it. But but Denver Denver's game was a little different. I mean, they they were being baited into stack boxes and things like that. And that's part of what Vic Fangio tries to do on defense. So we're looking at things... Uh, this game is going to be a little bit different, but I agree with you. Yeah, staying out of as many passing down, obvious passing downs as possible, utilizing play action, utilizing motion. The, all these things are going to help. Because, you know, the motion... Helps Daniel Jones get his reads well, a little bit quicker. So, well, that play action is, is going to work if they can get a running game going too. If they're, you know, and also if they only have like ten attempts for seventeen yards and they give up on it, all of a sudden if they just start doing play action, it's just not going to fool anybody either. So, it's just kind of a waste of time. The other one I'm going to look at here, and this one was surprising to me. This was not something I would have written down if I hadn't scoped out um, that that Washington versus Chargers game. Kenny Galladay versus Benjamin St. Juiced. I was stunned to find out that Del Rio trusted Benjamin St. Juiced in his first NFL game. I didn't think too highly of him personally coming out of school, but what do I know? <laughs> what I do know is that there were times on Sunday where St. Juiced was lined up in one-on-one in, in, in -on -one man situations with Mike Williams in a red zone situation. Yikes! Why? <laughs> Well, because despite spending $40 million on Kendall Fuller in 2020 and then another $40 million on William Jackson III this offseason, they're both 5'11 and 6 feet respectively. St. Juice seems to be – seems to me that St. Juice was lined up against the 6'4 Mike Williams because he himself is 6'3. And he fared pretty well too. Um, better than I would have expected. But that leads me to believe that there is a possible way for an offensive alignment to force – that defense into a Kenny Galladay versus Benjamin St. Juice one-on-one situation from time to time. And if that's the case, I want them to be on the lookout for it. And I would throw every single time to Kenny Galladay in that situation. I think you're going to see more targets to him regardless. I, I think, you know, fearing what I feared about the running game, you know, you know I, I just went through a whole little narrative how they needed to run the ball effectively, but... I have a feeling it's not going to be very successful. I think you're going to see, you know, potentially 35, 40 pass attempts. And they're going to be targeting Galladay much more, I think. Now that the guys like him, now that he's gotten his feet wet with actually playing, you know, a lot more snaps in week one, he's going to be more comfortable out there too. So I definitely see him being targeted significant amount of times. And even more so if they click over to him, if he has that matchup that you're looking for. I think you're right. I mean, he didn't really get involved into the Denver game until late in the game, and most of his stuff stacked up in what was objectively garbage time. Garbage I mean, time, even, yeah. Yeah, even, even some of his catches that I am not necessarily counting as garbage time, you could make the argument that it was. So 
I think for sure. And also, it seemed to be that whenever Daniel Jones seemed to be going off script or whenever he was controlling, call, calling his own shots, he seemed to be looking his way first. And then, you know, so I think you're right. I think Kenny is getting involved in this game more and more. What I'm interested in is if there's a way to get that matchup because it looks like there's a way. Um, the keys to this game, though, um, defensively, I'm going to say it's going to be controlling the underneath game. I can say all kinds of shit about individual matchups and whatever, but the likelihood is that they're going to be prepared to have the full playbook for Heineke, but there's going to be plays they're going to call more for him. And the underneath game is going to be his safety blanket. I mean, they're not going to want him to be lofting passes deep too often. They're still going to keep it there to keep us honest. But um, in critical spots, I'm worried more about Terry McLaurin, Antonio Gibson, and Logan Thomas working the underneath stuff and just shredding us. I mean, we saw the playbook last week of what to do. Now, the question is, how do we react to that? You know, there's film about, you know, how you can beat us over the middle. And, you know, hopefully those adjustments are being made. Because if not, it could be a long season for everybody just doing the same thing over and over again. Oh, my God. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I like our secondary. Even after their pitiful performance, I'd I'd rather dare Heineke to air it out deep because oh. the defense shut down the underneath stuff. That's the matchup I want, even though they played badly deep against – we argue is not a very good quarterback in Teddy Bridgewater. I'd still take that matchup every time. Also, their tackle situation sucks. They have Charles, Charles Leno at left tackle, and he is at best – a rotational right tackle prospect. And at right tackle, they have rookie Sam Cosme, who is on roller skates against the Chargers. Now, I know we don't have <laughs> Joey Bosa on our roster, but I'm right. sure we can cook something up to get some pressure on Heineke. I think the key to the game to me is very simple. Get a lead. Oh, yeah. Play from ahead. I think that will change – completely changes the entire complexion of what Washington will do on offense. You know, if we fall behind, you know, 10 nothing. You know, they are going to, you know, they're going to batten down the hatches. They're going to be very safe and controlled. They're not going to put Heineke in any sort of position at all to fail. We're up 10 nothing. They're going to they're gonna have to stretch him out. They may be having him to do stuff that's outside of his comfort zone. And that's when mistakes happen. And I think this is going to be a game about turnovers and mistakes. We have a quarterback who makes, a, you know, more physical mistakes and mental mistakes, but he makes a lot of you know, turnover-inducing mistakes. We have a backup quarterback, and, you know, he did a nice job against Tampa Bay and filling in last year. He's a backup. Tyler Heineke is not starting for any team in this league right now. And, um, you know, you are what you are. So the question is going to be, you know, do we put them in situations that they, like, baiting them into making mistakes? And the, I think the easiest way to do that is control the clock. And, I mean, not control the clock, but control the scoreboard. So we have to come up with a fast start. We have to take, you know, a three nothing, seven nothing, ten nothing lead. Anything of that I'll accept. You know, play from ahead. It'd be nice. I'm gonna say offensively, get Kyle Rudolph actually involved, get Kenny Galladay actually involved. Washington football team went out there and got themselves two good corners after being the laughing stock of the NFC East in the secondary sense for like a decade. But they're still razor thin at depth back there, and they have glaring height issues that they're just 
patch together a solution by drafting a third-round rookie and just throwing him out there. So Rudolph and Galladay tower over this defense. If you can force them both to be doubled, Shepard can have some opportunities. And and if they can't be doubled, then they have a matchup nightmare opportunity. So if we, if we don't test those matchups, Del Rio will have no problem leaving these unfavorable matchups out there for himself because we're not testing them until they're proven to be a problem. So we need to make them a problem. We need to be getting Kyle Rudolph and Kenny Galladay in good matchup situations and attacking them so that they become at least a distraction for this defense. And then become a distraction. Once if that's working, then you could use the hot hand we have in Sterling Shepard, who looks so good last week. I'd like to, I'd like to ride that as long as that's, you know, going to work. So, you know, they have to, they have a lot of tape on what Sterling Shepard did last week. You know, those matchups, you, which you just mentioned, will be out there. So we need to take advantage of them. Yeah. Um, all right. So give me a prediction. I, I'm, I'm looking at this game. I'm not feeling as good as I felt last week. How do you feel? I feel better about it than you know if uh, Fitzpatrick was the quarterback. You know, a, a theme is you know the Giants have to win this game to save jobs to to stop the rebuild from happening tomorrow. You know. That that's all irrelevant, meaningless stuff. I, but uh, so is the the Giants' own Washington. I mean, that that's meaningless. The teams change so much from year to year that what happens from the previous years on is becomes coincidence more than a trend. Um, this I to me a backup quarterback is a major disadvantage in this league. Doesn't mean you can't win with one, but that's not who you prepare, especially at this point in the season where. Fitzpatrick got the majority of reps during training camp. You're coming off a training camp. It's a short week. You can't prepare someone the way you normally would in a situation like this. I think that is the deciding difference more than anything. Um, The Giants, you know, I think the offensive line did show some signs of life last week. I think Andrew Thomas played well enough last last week. I think Daniel Jones, you know, he got roasted after that game because of the turnover. I don't think he played poorly. I think he played replacement level and that might be enough this week uh you know it's going to be a, a challenge with with the pass rush that they're going to have but i think they can be exploited i think we have weapons to do it and i think you know i'm not i'm going to zig a little bit where everybody's zagging how they think the season's over i don't think the season's over i think all of these nfc east teams are about 500 teams i think we're going to go into Washington and we're going to win a low scoring 17-14 victory, and we will be 1-1 one one heading into Atlanta the week after. The thing that scares me the most about the Washington football team is probably, I mean, I think if you if you polled Giants fans, I think the thing that would scare them the most is probably Chase Young and Montez Sweat versus our tackles. And I, I you know, obviously it worries me too, but... Looking back, you know, I'm not if I'm not worried about Andrew Thomas dealing with either of those guys one on one, either of those guys is not better than Von Miller. And that's who Nate Solder was up against last week. And he di- he didn't perform well, so I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that it's not a problem. Von, Von Miller didn't change the complexion of the game last week. You know, he wasn't like the disrupting force that was like, you know, we had it, you know, stack that side of the line with protection and, and all that stuff so he, you know he what you're saying is we're hoping that it, that's not the major disruptive force that it wasn't last week either. yeah um 
but 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 also like if they can block as well as they did Von Miller, which is was wasn't great, but I, I, these guys can't do what Von Miller does, you know, and they neither of them has been in the league nearly as long as Von Miller has. So I'm I'm a little less worried about that. And you know, if this defense can, I, I I cannot accept the defense performing the way that they did last week. I think they'll be better, especially with Taylor Heineke. I know that Teddy Bridgewater... Teddy Bridgewater was a rookie of the year at one point, um, you know, prior to his injury. He's a good quarterback. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Taylor Heineke is not good. Um, he is scrappy and, I guess, capable of putting something together that's full of Rudy level of heart. But And he'll win you games from time to time. But I, I am not nearly as afraid of him. He does not do nearly as much as Teddy Bridgewater does. I am I'm I'm just worried that it's just going to take us a long time to get an offense in rhythm because this is another good defense. So I'm with you. I think this is another low-scoring game, but I think I think that our defense bounces back. I think that we put the ball in the offense's hands more and more often and uh I think that we get a couple of turnovers as well. So I think that this is a low-scoring game, but I have this at 20 to 17 Giants. And I think we have at least 25% more plays run from offense than we did last week. They better. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, I mean <laughs> that's the, the biggest part of the problem of the offense. We talked about it last last time. Not the play calling, not any of that stuff, is they just didn't have en- enough opportunities to score. Mm. And I, I, I think that's a problem that I think, you know, the defense playing better will give us more opportunities, and there will be more opportunities – like you said, you know, to force turnovers from a backup quarterback. So I, I think, you know, I think we'll see 25% more plays in the offense. There'll be more opportunities. And I think we will score more. And, I, and, and non-garbage time. There won't be garbage time this week. Um, going around the league, San Francisco is at Philadelphia. The first place 1-0 Philadelphia Eagles. How do you feel about that game? I did. You know, if I'm going to go on here for two episodes and say week one is pretty meaningless for my long-term view of a team, I'm going to stick by that mantra. Philadelphia will be one of the four worst teams in the league. San Francisco, you know, is a borderline Super Bowl contending team. Um, you know, if they figure out some sort of two-quarterback system with, with Trey Lance along with, with Jimmy Gorgeous, that could be a pretty, you know, interesting offense. I think they go into Philly – I think they beat them pretty well. I have them at 24 to 17. I think that Philly scores that last touchdown really late in the game. So, okay. more more like 24 to 10. I feel the same way, but also I I don't know. Um I know that Philly's run defense was pretty pitiful last week, uh, but I don't think that that's really them. I think that that was kind of an outlier and I know San Francisco really likes to keep it on the ground. That's where they're most dangerous. Uh, so I think the points come for San Francisco. They're in control, but they're not able to really rack them up. Right. Um, Dallas goes to L.A. to play the Chargers. How do you feel about that game? The Cowboys will come back to earth. Uh, I think Justin Herbert will pick apart the defense. I am not – again, the Cowboys are another example of a week one team that is – that what you saw is not what they're going to be. I, Dak Prescott, very impressive coming back. He looked – you know, it looked fantastic. The defense still stinks. You know, I know it was Tom Brady, and it was like there's no chance that Tom Brady wasn't going to have that final drive, but that defense sucks, and it still sucks. And he was able to 
at will do that final march down the field to get the game-winning field goal. So, you know, uh, San Diego, I did it again. The Chargers have a budding superstar at quarterback, and I think we'll pick them apart also. Got to go out west. I'll take Chargers 31-21. Yeah, I... I think that Justin Herbert carves them up a little bit. Um, I don't know, though. I mean, I I, th- I have the Chargers winning this one 33-31, but I, I still think I don't love the Chargers' defense so much. And, and um, for what it's worth, Dallas is going to keep putting up points throughout the year, I think. Um, you know, they're, they're not bad offensively. They still have a good offensive line. Dak Prescott is still probably the best quarterback in this division. Um, Ezekiel Elliott at this point is probably the best running back in this division they have probably the best wide receiver group in this division that offense is is Zach Martin back is Zach Martin back back this week uh yes I believe so okay um but uh what's his face is out the right tech Lyle Collins is out um so you know they were they were dealing with offensive line injuries all of last year you know I, I think, you know, I'm not going to say they're going to be fine without Lyle Collins, but they'll figure out a way around it. It's not uncharted territory. Um, you know, they got the news soon enough where they can game plan for not having Lyle Collins. So it is a workable situation. I don't know. Maybe they don't score 31 points, but I, I think both of these teams are putting up a lot of points in this game. Personally. I think Dallas, I'm a non-believer one of the, of a week one team, they're one of the ones I'm the, you know, obviously Philly is the biggest non-believer team I have after week one. And probably I'm a non-believer in how bad Green Bay was in week one. Dallas is kind of up there too. I need to see, I need to see that repeated over and over that they're going to be able to throw the ball like they did and Dak to play as flawlessly as, as he did for me to really buy into, you know, the Cowboys are a legitimate uh, division contender. That's just me. Um, yeah, I think, I think I agree. I don't know. It's a little, it's a little tough to tell because Dallas, I mean, outside of Dak throwing a million times, they, they performed kind of how I expected, like high powered offense, absolutely terrible defense. So if Zach throws 50 times a game, they're going to be no more than an eight and eight team. Yeah, but they won't, that, that won't be, that, that was a game plan scenario. That wasn't. That, I don't think that's how their offense is built. They didn't pay Zeke ninety million dollars to pass block, so uh, or maybe they did. I don't know. Well, they did pay Mike McCarthy to be the coach, so who knows? <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. All right, everyone, Giants play tonight, so I hope that you've washed away Week One. You're ready for this game. I hope you're excited. I hope you're amped. I hope I we did a good enough job to amp you up. Um, I hope you get through your work day. I hope we see a win I, tonight, and I hope that we do a really I, good victory podcast episode with video on, on Tuesday oh, morning for, for you. God's sakes. <laughs> the faces made for radio are back. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I think also, again, keep your expectations in line and keep, you know, this is a very important game for this season. You know, we want to, we want to maintain, we want to maintain pace with the early division leaders, and we want to see progress but again you know John Mayer is not coming out of the 50 yard line after the game is over if we lose with pink slips to everybody it's not happening so 
don't even, you know, a lot of you, you know, you want change to be made. I feel you. I know we're all upset. We want this thing turned around, but they are not pulling the plug on a season after two weeks. So this is not they better win or else. I mean, or else you're not going to watch anymore. Well, good. Find a nice hobby for the rest of the fall. Uh, you know, let this season play out. I say it over and over again. That's going to be my mantra. Let the season play out. Hopefully we enjoy a victory. If not, you know, we're on to Atlanta. And if we lose to Atlanta, we're going to start seeing a real trend that this is probably a bad football team. But I'm not there yet. We still have eight quarters before that happens. So let's get a win tonight and uh, move on from there. All right. Be sure to follow us on Twitter. I'm at football underscore grump. He's at the cranky fan. We will see you guys on Tuesday morning, hopefully with a victory podcast. Go Go Giants. Giants.